Hello. We are glad that you've joined us. We hope that you're doing well, and we're glad that you're interested in spiritual things. My name is Ethan, and I work with the Venice Church of Christ. We're disciples making disciples on the west side of Los Angeles. And today, let us consider what is written in Scripture in the letter of Second John. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us, from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one that we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is his commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face, so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. So we have here some exhortation and encouragement of believers. It's written by the elder. That's the only attribution we have. But the writing style and language is very consistent with the authors of the Gospel of John and 1 John. And therefore, most believe that it was written by John the Apostle. Although there are some who have asserted a John the Elder who would have written the letter. But we don't have any real evidence for such a person. We don't have any specific date for the letter either. Uh, John the Apostle lived in the first century. Um, it depends on how you look at John's ministry in terms of your dating. There are some people who believe very strongly that John uh, wrote everything before the year 70. In that case, the book would come from the 60s. Uh, but many of them see it around 80, or perhaps even as late as the 90s. Uh, and that's where the consensus is that he wrote it in the near the end of the first century. And so we can say with strong confidence that it would have been written in the last half of the first century. The second John is written to the elect lady and her children. And the question is, does this mean that he's writing to a specific woman? Or is he speaking of a kind of a congregation or the people of God in some collective sense in this idea of calling them the elect lady? Uh, something we're not exactly sure of. But regardless, he's writing to people, most likely in the area of Asia Minor, since that's uh, the area he's living in when he writes Revelation. But he's writing to individual Christians, or and, and the churches perhaps as well, to encourage them in their faith. And so we look at what's going on here. He's writing to them. In the first three verses, we have the standard introduction. And he's emphasizing, though, in the standard introduction, that the love that's in the truth. And, and we have both of these uh, elements here, that he loves them, and he loves them because they're in the truth. Uh, and that all who know the truth will love 
uh, her or them, because they uh, are in the truth, abides in us, and will be with us forever. And that Jesus Christ is a Father's Son in truth and in love. Uh, going back to these, this dual emphasis here, that these are not contradictory elements, that these are mutually reinforcing elements, truth and love. He begins the letter with commendation, in, in the body of the letter proper in verses 4 through 6, that he has been given reason to rejoice because the, some of the children he has found walking in the truth as uh, commanded by the Father. And so he now asks, not writing a new commandment, but the one from the beginning, that we love one another. And again, something that was a major emphasis in First John, uh, as well as in the Gospel of John, John 13, uh, Jesus speaking about how all will know that, that we are his disciples, John 13 and 15, uh, because of our love for one another. And here, in First John 4, of course, the beautiful passage about love really is about loving one another. And so here it is again that, uh, that they should love one another. And what is love? Well, that you walk according to his commandments. And so, again, there's, there's no contradiction between love and truth. Uh, to truly love is to walk in the truth of God, because God is love and God has established his truth, that we may know love. And the reason why he has to emphasize this so much, we see in verses 7 through 11, that there are these deceivers out there that have gone to the world, and they do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, and they are uh, such a one as a deceiver and an antichrist. Uh, these, of course, are the what we often call the incipient docetists and Gnostics. Um, and that's why a later date makes sense. As, as Christianity started to get a hearing in the Mediterranean world of the, of the Greeks, Greek viewpoints did not take kindly to the idea of a lot of what Christianity stood for. Um, in Greek philosophy for generations, the idea of the physical was, was a curse that they were yearning to get to a pure spirit form. Uh, began with Plato's forms, that everything is really just a, 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 some kind of imitation of, of the ideal form of whatever the thing is. Uh, this will be later expanded. Well, well, we need to get back to that pure spirit. And so the, the flesh and its handicaps, the physical world and its handicaps, were considered a hindrance. And... Um, it was bad enough that all of the ancient myths of the gods had them cavorting with humans, but it became almost unbelievable at that time that the gods would actually take on human form. And so it's not surprising that we see, and we do see it, especially as it begin, continues to develop into full-fledged Gnosticism, uh, and later Docetism in, in other religions, all Manichaeism, even down into Islam, there's a strong... Docetist tradition, where Jesus doesn't really die on the cross, it's somebody else who dies on the cross. And, and what Docetism is saying is, well, Jesus really was never human. Uh, he just seemed to be human. Uh, how that exactly worked, whether it was like a hologram or something of the sort that we would look at, maybe, we're not exactly sure. But the idea is that he seemed to be human the whole time. Somebody else actually died on the cross. And that was because of the denial that Jesus would become flesh and dwell among us. That was a, a major stumbling block to the Greeks. Why would why would God do such a thing? Why would, it was bad enough that God's humiliating himself to the point of coming and talking and serving people. How, how could he possibly become human? How could he possibly die? It was beyond a lot of their philosophical viewpoints. 
And so you have a lot of people who find certain things about Christianity compelling, but just can't leave behind some of these uh, philosophical presuppositions, and so they try to marry them. They try to bring them together. And so you have a lot of people going around saying, well, Jesus really didn't die. Jesus really... There was no need for a resurrection. Resurrection is really just a, a spiritual coming of understanding of the reality that they live in and the need to develop your spirit and to get away from the curses of this creation and its demiurge that created it. And John doesn't pull any stops here. Um, he, he says exactly there, they're deceivers. They're the Antichrist, they're the ones opposed to Jesus. That everyone, that anyone who comes and does not bring the true teaching of it, that you are not to receive him into the house, or even give him a greeting, because if you greet him, you participate in his wicked works. Uh, John has absolutely no sympathy for this belief, and there's good reason for it. To deny that Jesus is flesh is to deny his incarnation. To deny his incarnation denies that he would have died. To deny his death means that you're denying the resurrection. And John, like Paul uh, Paul as well, 1 Corinthians 15, if, if Jesus is not raised from the dead, then we are wasting our time. That this whole thing is a sham. That you can't have a Christianity without resur- the resurrection. You can't have a resurrection without a death. And you can't have a death without a birth. And that is why all of it works together. It all stands or it all falls. You can't pick out parts of it and, and keep others. And so, uh, the part of the problem is is that these, these discipient Gnostics and Docetists would be part of regular Christian assemblies, and they would just presume to have a greater understanding that, you know, sure, all of these, you know, quote-unquote, naive, deceived, foolish Christians believe these things literally, uh, we'll, we'll come in and we'll, we'll show them the true way. And so, John wants the true believers to have nothing to do with these people, not even to greet them, to show that there is this distinction, that we know who you are, we know what you're up to. Uh, if you don't come here teaching this truth about God and Jesus, then you have no part of us. And so he's writing here about to the Christians themselves that he, he wants them to be watched. You know, this is not just a problem out there. He needs, they will need to watch themselves, lest they uh, lose what they've worked for so that they can win their full reward. And he then goes on, uh, Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ is not of God. Whoever does, abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Um, this verse is very easily taken out, and, and, and all of a sudden it, it refers now to everything. And, and we need to be careful about that. Because here in context, uh, what, he's, what he's trying to say is, if, if, you're not, if, you're not rec- if you're not teaching truly about who Jesus is, then you don't have the Father. You can't say, well... I'm actually honoring the, the 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 real gods because I'm showing how Christ came to inform us all of our ignorance and and what has gone on here. No, 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 no. You can't try to split Christ and God that way. You can't try to split the Son and the Father. No, you've got to understand and confess the truth about the Son coming in the flesh. When you do that, you can also have the Father as well. Again, as we've we've had to say at other top or two, as we talk about what John writes, it's very easy to absolutize John. And people have done that. Well, as long as I teach the truth about Jesus, everything is fine. That That's not what John's trying to say. John is speaking to a group with a specific set of opponents. And his wisdom and insights for these people involve these specific opponents. And we would not be wise to then extrapolate from that that every other situation we find. Far from it. I mean, here we see that John is very stringent about matters of doctrine, about matters of belief. Uh, not that belief does not influence practice, but this is 
what they believed about Jesus' resurrection was of such great importance that if they did not hold the same line, that they were not even to greet one another. That That's a pretty potent, powerful uh, situation. It affirms that there is importance in understanding doctrine and theology. Uh, that if you depart from the truth of God and doctrine and theology, that it is a very severe uh, problem and it will most likely lead to other problems and distortions of the truth of the gospel. And God does not stand for that. The letter then ends in verses 12 and 13 with this the declaration, there's a lot of other things John would like to say, but he'd rather just come and speak face to face. Which no doubt would have been a blessing to the elect lady and her children, but it's our loss. Because if he continued to write about them, we would have greater insight. But that was not the point of the Holy Spirit at this time. He was just concluding and able to move on. I hope that we can see here in Second John that John feels a need to, to write to some of his fellow Christians and to encourage them in their faith, to be thankful that they're standing in the truth, but to provide this very important warning. And it's very easy, perhaps, to wonder why this is even in Scripture. It's, it's only a 13-verse letter. Uh, what's the point? Well, it teaches us a lot of important things. First of all, it teaches us the importance of understanding the relationship between truth and love, that that love is to walk according to the commandments. Uh, that, that you can't separate out truth from love as if one is independent of the other. Uh, God has spoken the truth. God is love. And those are not contradictory statements. They work together. And if we are trying to put them uh, at loggerheads with each other, it means that we've missed something about God's truth. And we need to repent and change that. But it, it's hard to overstate the dangers of, of Gnosticism and Docetism. Um, because it, it creeps back almost every generation. Uh, Gnosticism maintained a following among some groups until the early medieval period. Uh, there have been a lot of people who in the 19th century uh, claimed to have come to some understandings that really were just rehashed Gnosticism. And today, you see a lot of Gnosticism in, in Christianity. A lot of denial of the body. A lot of denial of the importance of, of the resurrection, the bodily resurrection, uh, and that the hope of the bodily resurrection is what is grounds the Christian faith. And if Jesus uh, is, is being envisioned in a way where his life, death, and or resurrection is somehow irrelevant or be not the point, then that, that, that is not really Christianity. That, that no, he did come as God in the flesh. He actually took on flesh. He actually lived in the first century. He actually died and he actually was raised again. And if we deny that, we've denied the faith. And it also shows us, though, what Nos where, where Gnosticism comes from. That in that culture, these were the, step the hindrances. These were the challenges. These were the things where a lot of people on a philosophical level and culture just could not say, I, I can't let go of this. And, and as opposed to seeing Christianity say, no, this is not the way it is, and say, okay, well, I'm, I'm rejecting that. No, they had to try to find a way to see if they could maintain Christianity but maintain their cultural assumptions. And, and here John says, no, you can't. You can't do that. You have to take this revelation or leave it. And in, and unfortunately, we see even to our own day in culture, uh, a lot of times where people, they they hold to certain cultural assumptions and, and that they, those cultural assumptions they're going to hold to no matter what. And when they see that the message of the Bible does not 
show consistency with that message, uh, they'll try to find a way to make it fit. And they'll try to find a way to compromise. They'll try to find a way to justify why they're going to do what they're going to do. And that is, is just as damaging uh, as it was here in the first century. So we hope that you've been encouraged by this understanding of Second John to maintain the truth of God about who Jesus is and to practice the truth of God, to watch ourselves so that we may hold on and to gain the full reward. Maybe you'd like to talk more about Second John or some other aspects of what John teaches or something else in the Bible. Maybe, maybe you'd like to learn how to become a Christian. Maybe you just are going through some difficulties and want to talk or want need a prayer. Uh, anything I can do to help, please let me know. Please contact me through my website at deverbovitae.com. That's www.deverbovitae.com. And if you'd like to learn more about uh, the Venice Church of Christ and our work in Los Angeles, please look us up online. We're at venicechurchofchrist.org. We're also on social media on Facebook, Instagram, Google+, Meetup, Twitter, and YouTube at Venice Church or Venice Church of Christ. We again thank you. Have a great day.